You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 13 of Aging Starts Now. I'm your host, Tim Takas, and today we're talking about assisted living facilities and residential placement. Joining us today are Susan Nichols and Eric Miller, who are certified senior advisors with Care Patrol of Middle Tennessee and Music City. Welcome, Susan, and welcome, Eric. Thanks for being here. Tim, thanks for having us. Okay, so first of all, I guess we should just sort of set the scene of basically who are you and... What is Care Patrol of Middle Tennessee in Music City? Care Patrol was started almost 20 years ago, Tim, by a social worker out in Arizona who wanted to assist families in finding safer care options upon discharge from hospitals and rehab centers to decrease return to the hospital because they were in an unsafe setting. So Care Patrol got its name because we have reviewed the violation histories of all of the assisted livings and memory cares in our area of Tennessee. We know that they have not had any issues related to elder abuse or medication mismanagement. We refer families to places that are safe. And we're the largest senior placement organization in the United States that helps families find those safer care options, be it assisted living, independent living, residential care, memory care, in-home care, any of those levels of care. Right. So it sounds like to me is is that part of your job is care patrol. And I guess I think, as you said, you have, um, you have care patrol, I guess, franchises all over the country uh, that you actually vet these facilities and they have to meet your, your criteria. Is that correct? That's correct, Tim. We review the care and violation history. And because, as Susan mentioned, we have such a large network, we're in 30 states and have almost 200 offices nationwide. Um, We've been able to do a lot of work from coast to coast to understand what is out there, what's available, and who's providing the right level of care for the seniors today. Gotcha. And so as I understand, there's a Care Patrol of Middle Tennessee and a Care Patrol of Music City. So it's like two separate offices. Is that right? That's correct. correct. We work to Eric and I work very closely. <laughs> okay. We won't ask about that. But I guess you talk to each other all the time. So <laughs> we're going back and forth. And I'm sure probably you're pretty busy. If not all the time, you certainly are in, in this environment of COVID-19. Yes. yes. So what is a sen- certified senior advisor? Because I know I mentioned that you're both sen- certified senior advisors. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just an attorney, but I don't have a, um, but I do, I, I do know I had to go to school and I had to take an exam. So what, is a, what does a CSA or a certified senior advisor do? A certified senior advisor is a person who has studied 
a multitude of different issues related to working with the elderly for several months. And then we take a certification exam to be considered a certified senior advisor. And these persons that work within Care Patrol are all certified senior advisors. In other words, we know what we're doing. We just didn't jump into this. We've, gotcha. we've been trained and we're prepared to help families. Right. And just for the benefit, I know, of our audience, uh, I, I know that that designation, Certified Senior Advisor, is not something that was created last month you know, or last year, but it's been around for several years. Is that correct, to your knowledge? Yes, correct, Tim. It has uh, the, the CSA designation. It's not something that was just recently created. And the best part about it, as Susan had mentioned, you know, all CSAs are trained in a multidisciplinary um, background in the aging process. We take an, uh, a very uh, difficult exam in order to get that certification. We have a background check. And the other thing, when working with a CSA, no matter what organization a person might be affiliated with, um, that person is required to have continuing education, just like any other professional career, mm-hmm. um, to ensure that there's, you know, ongoing education in the field. Yeah, you're just keep you're you're keeping up and keeping up to date. So, what is an assisted living facility, and and how is it different from a what people think of as a nursing home or a skilled nursing facility? That's a great question, Tim. You know, prior to the 1980s, the only option for senior care was skilled nursing or what we would call traditional nursing home. And then this concept of assisted living was introduced. It was created so that seniors might be as independent as possible for as long as possible in the least restrictive environment. Residents in an assisted living aren't in need of skilled nursing yet, but they can't live safely alone because of maybe multiple falls in their home or medication mismanagement. So they enter an assisted living and receive help with those issues, as well as some activities of daily living, like bathing or dressing. Okay. And so how does that differ from what a nursing home does? Because I'm sure nursing homes do that also. Yeah, Tim, most often um, somebody who requires a, um, a skilled nursing level of care, there's more of a focus on some of the medically necessary treatments that somebody might have as opposed to some of the activities of daily living. Someone who might just need help with bathing um, uh, and some of the other uh, activities such as uh, meal preparation, grooming and such, those would be a, um, great services available for someone in assisted living, whereas in skilled nursing, somebody may have had a stroke and need to have physical rehab, um, different kinds of medical treatments that are going to be available that may not be available in an assisted living. Okay. So it's more of a focus on medical um, than anything else that you would see in a gotcha. uh, assisted living community. Mm-hmm. So is a is an assisted living facility is that is that a healthcare facility? Is it a licensed healthcare facility? It is not a medical model, Tim. It's it's more of a room and board type setting where there are nurses available to administer and monitor medication mismanagement. Excuse me, medication management. But 
um, assistance is provided by caregivers with the ADLs, with the activities of daily living. And then residents are encouraged to stay in their, not stay in their rooms, but to participate in group activities, go to meals in the dining room, concerts, workshops, card games, arts and crafts, gardening, all kinds of activities. The quality of life in an assisted living is higher for many seniors than in their home settings or in a skilled nursing facility. Mm-hmm. So when I, so when a person, let's say a person needs assisted living, and so tell us a little bit about, you know, who might need assisted living. You mentioned, but like maybe a person is prone to falls or or needs help with medi- medication management. You know, what are what's a typical assisted living resident? Um, uh, look like. And I'm sorry that that's an inelegant way to put it, but um, you know what's an what's a typical profile of an of a person who's who needs assisted living. So in some cases, Tim, that could be someone simply has two or more activities of daily living that they need assistance with. Okay. Uh, so if someone, for example, needed someone to stand by and assist with bathing and perhaps even um, preparing meals, those two things alone would be a good qualifier for someone to be in a assisted living community. Um, Oftentimes what we find is that a person who may have two or more can remain far more independent for a longer period of time if they get just that little bit of assistance that's needed in order to maintain a quality of life. And so that's really what an assisted living is designed for is to help somebody retain as much independence as possible with uh, with some supervision as well as help. Yeah, I know we, we often tell our clients and our families that, you know, that, you know, who, who fear going to the nursing home, you know, we say is, is that, well, if you don't get the care that you need, you will get what you fear. So true. Yeah. So, so a lot of our, a lot of our older clients, they may be living at home. They need, they may, maybe they start needing more assistance and then we have, you know, and then we have, we start having those conversations about residential placement because I think we all know that most of our older, older clients, you know, they, they want to live at home and it's usually, well, I want to live at home for as long as I can or as long as that's possible. But then the, the real question is, is, well, what does that mean? You know, how long, when, when, when are you going to, when are you going to know when it's no longer possible? You know, is, I'm sure you have those conversations with your clients and families. So how do you answer those questions about, okay, at what point do you need to start looking for another place to live? Well, the median age for assisted livings is 83 to 86. So that's mm-hmm. sort of the ballpark in terms of age-wise, when you look at what kind of care is needed, there are in-home care agencies that can come in and care for a person so that they can remain in their home. But if you are spending more than six hours a day in your home with a caregiver, so that's seven days a week, 42 hours a week, then assisted living is a viable option financially because you're paying just as much for a person to come in your home six hours a day as if you had 24-7 care in an assisted living. Yeah. 
So I'm, I know we've had, we have conversations. If, if, if you've got $15,000 a month to spend, you can get what you want or sometimes what you need. But maybe that's not even, but even still, that may not, that may not be the best for you. You know, 24 seven care is very expensive. So what are we looking at when we're looking at a cost here? I mean, you mentioned $6,000 a month. Is that kind of what people spend in Middle Tennessee for assisted living? It can vary, Tim. Uh, some some communities that's that's probably um, you know very accurate. It could it could be for someone um, just as an example in Middle Tennessee, somebody who needs independent living. Um, it could be anywhere from a little under two thousand dollars a month on up. And for somebody who needs assisted living, those costs can start somewhere at around three to four thousand dollars and up. And it really just depends on how much care. The best part about assisted living is if someone only needs assistance with certain care levels, like maybe one activity of daily living, the cost may not be as great as someone who needs assistance with four different activities of daily living. And so the greater the need, sometimes that actually impacts the the cost for care. Right. So the one X factor, of course, about assisted living that, you know, can't be replicated in the home is that social aspect and the engagement. Um, most people who bring care into their home, it, it might allow someone to stay in their home, but they can also isolate. And assisted living is great for creating that social interaction, almost like if someone was on a cruise. Right. So it's not like, uh, you know, and I know, and I'm not sure how many of your clients have these I mean, maybe conceptions of assisted living is, is that you're sharing a room with somebody you don't know and, you know, and you're, you know, and you're eating in a dining hall like you did in college or whatever. But um, so you actually have a private room and, you know, and it's like, like, it's like it's your home. Correct. They are apartments, which may be the size of a studio or up to two bedrooms. And, and it is, you do not, well, in some settings, excuse me, they do share a room just for financial reasons, but most assisted living residents live independently within their apartments. Right. So who pays for assisted living? Is the, does, does Medicare pay? Um, does, does, my, does my Medicare supplement pay or TenCare or Medicaid or VA? You know, any sources of payment for that? Yeah, that's a great question, Tim. Um, unfortunately, Medicare does not have, does not participate in payment for assisted living. Um, it, it, uh, most often people will pay in a variety of different sources. Um, they will elect to pay on their own from savings. Some people have, uh, protection that may have been put in place. Um, things like long-term care policies. Um, that will pay for, uh, for assisted living. Um, some people use equity from a house. There's VA benefits and there is some supplemental, uh, payment available. If someone qualifies for 10 care, like here in Tennessee, they have a waiver program known as choices. So there's a lot of different options. Some of our families that Susan and I work with, sometimes it takes 
four or five family members even to help out if uh, someone hasn't saved properly to afford assisted living level of care. And so sometimes people get creative, but ultimately um, those are some examples of ways that people pay for assisted living. Okay. All right. So if I'm ready, oh, so I'm ready to move to an assisted living and do I get, do I get to stay there for the rest of my life? That's a very good question, Tim. Um, The concept of aging in place is what happens in most assisted livings. Every move for senior can just be exhausting physically and emotionally. So assisted livings have this concept of aging in place. And let me explain that for you. Um, There's certain criteria that are required to be eligible for residency in in an assisted living in Tennessee. A person must be able to sit up in bed, transfer to a walker or wheelchair, and exit the building within 13 minutes to be eligible for residency in in an assisted living in Tennessee. But when a resident can no longer do some of those things and needs more caregiving assistance, they do not have to move to another facility. They can, quote, age in place and hospice companies also often come in to provide end-of-life care for residents if requested so just in summary for many seniors a move to an an assisted living is their last move Mm -hmm. so what what circumstances would could happen if let's say a person has to move i'm sure there are I'm, I'm sure that a f- assisted living can't take care of everybody, regardless of their health status. Yeah. Is that yes. is that correct? So sometimes, Tim, what what might happen for an individual is they may have a a medical incident that could occur where a hospital a hospitalization may be appropriate, and so somebody may not remain in an assisted living for that reason. Okay. Um, but outside of um, a major m- medical issue that occurs, uh, resources such as hospice, like Susan mentioned, or other things like physical therapy, occupational therapy, and even speech therapy can be brought into an assisted living community so someone truly can remain in age in place. Mm-hmm. So do you ever see people that um, maybe by the time you get to them um, – it may be hard for them even to get to an assisted living. I mean, yes, we do. Um, Some families families wait too long to -hmm. consider assisted living where mom or dad wants to remain at home and they do not want to leave, as you mentioned earlier, but Mm -hmm. the relative is no longer a candidate for assisted living. They are a candidate for skilled nursing or traditional nursing home because they do not meet that criteria from the state of Tennessee to be eligible for residency in assisted living. So maybe they meet the, they can't meet the admission criteria, but maybe they, once they get in, they can stay there. Yes. Is that pretty much the, the way that, the way that assisted livings work here? In most assisted livings, most yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, um, maybe I'm thinking about moving to an assisted living. What kind of questions that should I ask? You know, maybe me or maybe, uh, maybe my, maybe my mother uh, is thinking about assisted living. So what kind of questions do I need to, need to ask? 
My goodness, there's a lot of questions. <laughs> um, how good's the food? <laughs> okay, yeah. That's probably an important one. We all let the lion out of the like cage three lot, times a day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, one of the things that we do with Care Patrol is we, fortunately, we we advocate on behalf of the families we work with. And so we will ask a lot of those questions along with families. But some of the common ones, of course, are, yes, food is important. So what is the food like? And what if somebody has preferences? But some of the other things from a safety perspective could be, you know, what happens if my loved one has a a fall or a health event? What protocols are in place? Um, Is there 24-hour nursing? Uh, Does the uh, community give the residents a uh, a, a pendant to wear for emergency purposes or are there pull cords? So these are some of the things from a safety perspective. Okay. And so then, Eric, you, you've asked some questions. So what's the answers? <laughs> they, they're all across the board, you know? Okay. Um, so some communities have restaurant style uh, meals that they prepare where literally a resident could come in and it's like, as if they're eating at their favorite restaurants. Okay. And so when it comes to food, that's a great example of how some of the communities handle that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when it comes to safety issues, a lot of the communities have anywhere from 18 to 24 hour nursing. Some, a, a lot of them today do have nursing around the clock, but not all of them do. And again, that's a, a reason to work with a professional to understand if that's important, making sure that you go to a place that offers that, that level of care. And I would say even today, asking about COVID-19 protocols. You know, okay. we didn't have to worry about this 90 days ago, but today, knowing what the community is doing to uh, provide safety for the residents is uh, is also critical. You know, are, is there enough PPE in the communities to protect the staff as well as the residents? Right. That's PPE is... What is that for our... Oh, our- so the... Uh, the personal protection equipment, things like a face mask or gloves, gotcha. things of that nature to, you know, just uh, guard against the transfer of, of bacteria and such. Okay. And Eric, if I may add this, one of the questions I like to ask when I take a family to an assisted living or give them ideas of questions is, how is your assisted living different from others? Because there are so many choices in Middle Tennessee, we have scores of assisted livings, and I want to know how they're different, why they would be the best for my family member. Yeah. Yeah, our kind of our experience on that, um, Susan, is that uh, a, a lot of like assisted livings have like a culture. Yes. You know, every, every facility has its own culture, and maybe it works wonderfully for you. Uh, but it may not be comfortable for somebody else who maybe is not accustomed to, you know, that type of, uh, you know, environment. Like I'm thinking about, like Eric mentioned, you know, there are some places where you can go in and you can order from the menu and maybe they have, uh, you know, fine di- so-called almost fine dining. But there may be some, maybe some residents that are not comfortable with that. Right. Right. Yeah, and, there's... And, 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 and certainly even the people that are, are, are there, you know, you kind of have to be a part of your own culture. So true. From, from the socialization, there are some communities, Tim, where uh, things are a little bit more low key. And for someone who is an introvert, that might present to be a positive. 
And for an individual who is a extrovert, doesn't matter what age we are, we want a lot of interaction. And that can carry over even into the dining experience. And it, it could even mean, what about somebody who has a, a dietary need? Sometimes the kitchen is critical for being able to deal with those issues. And assisted living communities do vary with that too. Some can provide uh, dietary issues for things like a gluten intolerance, or maybe somebody has a um, another issue where they can't actually digest certain foods. So all of these preferences are important for people and they vary from community to community. So it sounds like to me that, you know, for individuals or maybe married, even married couples that are thinking about moving or this, op this option, they need to think about what, what is important to them and maybe even what's necessary for them, you know, and chances are they're probably going to be able to find it. They just have to know to ask for it, right? That's correct. Yes. And needless to say, I'm going to do a little plug for Care Patrol, and I'm going to assume that since you guys, you know, our clients only do this once, you do it every day, you know, and I'm sure that's part of your job is to make sure that the that your clients ask the, you know, either they're going to ask the right questions or you're going to help them, you know, make those decisions for them. Yes, Tim. Eric and I have been to every assisted living and memory care in our designated areas. We know the people there personally. We have a sense of what the ambiance of the place is, as you were describing earlier, and know the cost of each place. So we can help families by identifying two or three places that we think might best meet their family members' needs, given what they've told us during an initial interview with the family. So Care Patrol, this is, of course, what you do for a living. And so if I'm interested in, um, in this option, then I should contact Care Patrol and talk to maybe Susan, you or Eric or whoever answers the phone and say, I'm interested, you know, what are your requirements? You know, how do I get started? Is that kind of the way it works? Yes, absolutely, Tim. Um, we usually start out by having what we call a care discovery with families where we're just trying to understand what are their needs, what are they looking for, and how can we help them provide safe living options for themselves or their loved one. And so just picking up the phone and calling us is the, you know, the first step. And then just like uh, any kind of a interview process, if you will, we want to make sure that we can shorten the list for a family to determine what's important, what are their needs, and provide them with some solutions. Yeah. And, and now that we're in the middle of a pandemic, that's probably really certainly much a greater challenge for you all. <laughs> it, it is very different uh, today versus, uh, um, you know, pre-pandemic months, yes. Mm -hmm. um, but nonetheless, the best part about Care Patrol is that because we've had such a longstanding relationship with assisted living communities um, all over Middle Tennessee, we have a great deal of information about the staff, what's available in those communities, and um, we have a lot of information that we can offer because we've been into every single one of those communities. So moving, moving, dura, moving during a pandemic is still, still possible. 
It is. Is that what your message here, at least for the short term? Yes, it is. And some of the pros of moving during the pandemic are assisted livings are, are following specific guidelines to keep those buildings as sanitized as possible by using hospital-grade disinfectants for frequent cleaning of high-touch surfaces, excuse me, and each of their staff persons are screened at the beginning of a shift for fever and other symptoms, and residents still receive three chef-prepared meals a day. It may be in their apartment for now, but they still receive that nutrition. One of the cons would be, which is sadly, that all visitors, such as family members and non-essential health care personnel, cannot enter the buildings right now. You can interact with your family members by FaceTime, Zoom, standing outside their window, but you cannot enter the building right now. So that's one of the negatives of entering during the epidemic or the pandemic, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think that's it for today's episode. And I'd like to thank Susan Nichols and Eric Miller with Care Patrol for joining us. I'm your host, Tim Takis. So long until next time when we bring you another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Take Us McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging Starts Now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.